Hey guys, welcome to Floss Bites. We have Ragini here with us this time. And um, like I told you in the first episode, a lot of things have been going on. And what I really wanted to talk about was the biggest thing that happened to us this uh, past year, which was we bought a second practice. And it was orchestrated mainly by Ragini. So I thought it would be great to have her come on and talk about a little bit about how it all came about. So can you, let's just get right into it. How yeah. did you find this practice? So I actually found it through one of the referrals that I use. So he was a doctor that I refer my endo to because I hate doing endo. Um, and they're right around the corner. And she actually was in that building. So she was a neighbor of that office. So he called me one day and he just said, do you have space for another doctor in your office? And I remember thinking inside my head, no. <laughs> but I wanted to like hear what the opportunity was before I said anything. So he just told me about her. He said, she's this great lady and she's looking to kind of slow down. She wants to eventually retire. Um, but her lease is running up and I thought maybe it'd be a good fit for both of you because I had mentioned to him before that I was always interested in finding other practices. So. You know, I think that because he knew that and I had talked to him about it previously, he thought of me before anybody else. So I think she was asking around, I was asking around, and just was good luck. And I think one of the things we had always talked about, we'd always thought like the best idea for us, the best um, sort of strategy for us was to buy another practice and then bring it into our practice. Cause a second practice, as a lot of people have, it's great and it's and it can be wonderful, but there is a lot of overhead. And so there's a lot of built-in costs and if there's any kind of problems or um, you're having trouble getting revenue in, you know, obviously those costs can be, they can be unaffordable. So what our dream always was like, wow, wouldn't it be great if we found a practice that we could just absorb? And luckily this kind of just fell into your lap. Yeah, I think that the previous owner, when we had talked to him, when we he was selling his practice, he had said he'd done that several times over the 15 years he was working um, at that location. So I think that these kinds of opportunities maybe happen in uh, more often in a saturated urban environment. Um, so maybe it's a little less common in a rural area, but um, I've talked to a lot of people and they say that they've heard of these types of things happening all the time, which has happened to like hear about it in a great way. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about, you met her, you got to know her a little bit, and then what was the, the process? Because I know you actually were very specific about taking it slow. So, you know, we had talked a lot when it first came up, and I think that whenever an opportunity arises, you get very excited, and so we were obviously excited. But mm. when I met with her, she seemed to have more of a slower pace. And so I sort of picked up on that, and it seemed to me like, when she heard about the opportunity of moving into our building from this uh, colleague, she was still exploring all of her options. And so I didn't want a situation where I came on really strong and she hadn't done her research yet. And so I kind of like cued off of her and didn't push a lot. But it was hard to know what the balance should be. So, you know, I try to schedule drinks every so often. And when we'd go out for drinks, um, keep it social and don't really ask a lot of pointed questions. So it took a long time for me to get the due diligence for us to like go through all of the actual data. So we didn't really know if it was a good fit for probably 
at least six months. Well, even (laughs) just to go back to what you were saying before, when she would go on these like dates uh, with her, she would come back and I'd be like waiting at the door to like hear all about it. And she would be like, slow down, cowboy. Like nothing to give you. There's nothing, there's nothing there because like she said, I can tell she wants to take it slow. And I thought that was very insightful on your part because, you know, I was like so anxious to like, I was chomping at the bit, but like you could tell, you could read her and you could see that she was like, she wasn't quite ready. And I think we're finding this with a lot of people who are looking to sell their practices. If they've owned for a while, you know, this is something that they've built up over many, many years. It's their baby in, in essence. And to give it up, it, it's a big life change for them. And so I don't think they're really ready to like give it up so quickly. And so they really want to take their time to kind of get to know you and see that it's right fit. And then they're not even sure that they even want to sell it at all. So I think sometimes they're putting out feelers and like you said, they're not sure or they are being told by maybe consultants or other people or their attorneys to go in different routes. And so it always seemed to me like her gut was that she really liked me and she was meeting all these different people that she didn't really connect with, but that everybody was telling her, you know, you really have to make sure that you go through a broker or Mm -hmm. everybody was saying, you really have to make sure that you vet a lot of different candidates and see, you know, who is going to pay you what you want and all these things. So I think that she went through a lot of people and I didn't really actually find that out for quite a while. So I just sensed it, but then she com- she confirmed it after a couple months saying, you know, she was meeting all these people and she didn't feel a great fit with them. And because we had gone out so many times, and I think because we had gone out so many times and I wasn't pushy, she felt good about that so I think that it if it had been somebody who was more direct and ready to go I would have changed the approach Mm. so it really depends on the person Um, but I think I felt that if if we're buying a practice from somebody it's really important that that person feels comfortable and the way to become the one that they sell to is to appeal to what they're looking for so to me it was like If she's looking to do this in a year or two years or five years, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm willing to put my time in to cultivate that, even if it turns out to be for naught. Like, even if it was, and we would have this conversation all the time that, Mm -hmm. you know, really could literally be nothing and I'm wasting all of my time. But it was more important to me to look at the long-term goal and say, I want to be the right fit for her regardless. And I'm I'm not willing to like rock the boat to find that out on my timeline. Makes sense. It makes sense. Um, and then there must have been some point, because like I wasn't there when you were meeting her, uh, like that you saw, okay, this is like a real opportunity. What, like, was there something that clicked for her, do you think? Yeah, I think that it was the exercise of going through meeting all those people and um, trying to sell to people. And most people didn't really want to give her time, mm. which is what she was looking for. She's mm. looking for an opportunity to be able to work without... Um, a lot of admin or um, work with somebody who's going to be amenable to a collaborative environment and the hours that she was looking for and things like that. So I was more, like I said, focused on the bigger picture that maybe in the short term, it's not going to be the most lucrative for us, but it's more important long term to have her stay and build the goodwill with patients. And the longer she stays, the more the patients are going to feel comfortable with me. 
instead of having a more quick transition that maybe turns over a lot of people. And so in a lot of ways, it was completely opposite from the first um, mm. The first sale, purchase, yeah. The first mm-hmm. purchase. Mm-hmm. So that was like he was gone in two weeks and yeah. we just saw whoever we saw. But I would say that the turning point was when she started asking me very concrete questions. So she would say, um, you know, are you able to afford this financially? And again, I had no idea in my head. Well, because like, we didn't have a, we didn't know the number, you know, like, I mean, that's the funny part is, and we've seen this in multiple occasions where people ask, can you afford this? And there's no number on the table. So, you know, the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of like, she's vetting me to see if I can afford it. And it doesn't really matter. I, I think more of the problem was that they don't know the process. So the seller doesn't really know the process at all that you're going to go to the bank and then the bank is going to evaluate the financials and then they're going to decide what they give you. Especially if the if the owner has owned their practice for, you know, 40 years. Yeah. So I think that to me, I was more, I wanted to, I didn't want to mislead her, but it didn't really matter what the answer was because it's going to be something that we have to jump through regardless. So sometimes, you know, a seller might have a number in their mind and then the bank has a problem with it and they're not going to give you what you were qualified for. So there are times like you're pre-qualified when we were doing our practice search before, you're pre-qualified for all this money, but then they look at the numbers and they say, well, the revenue dipped from 2013 to 2014. And so we're only comfortable giving... 90% of the revenue of the previous year. So whatever they you thought you were qualified for is not what they're going to give you. So I think that um, when she started asking questions like that, I knew she was serious. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't have the answers, I kind of, kind of felt like it was more important to make her feel comfortable. And again, not mislead her, but make her feel like I was going to do whatever it took to become qualified to get this practice. And... You know, in the event that I don't get all of the financing, I'll figure it out and come up with something to be able to do. Um, hopefully, that the bank will will accept it. Mm-hmm. So the whole process took about, I'd say, like a year, year and a half, right? Yeah, I would say probably like a year and a half, maybe. Yeah, about a year and a half. And so now she's actually working at our practice, and so she's meeting all the patients, and Ragini's meeting all the patients as well. So it's a, it's, it's a really nice um, environment. And actually, you guys get along so well that you've been saying that you actually are really enjoying the days that she comes in. It's so funny because originally when we did the transition, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be awful to have to share my space with somebody. You know, New York City is cramped quarters. Like, you're running the show, and this other doctor has been practicing for 40 years. So obviously they have preferences and the ways they want to do things. So there were some growing pains. I'm not going to say like she came in and we it, it was amazing right off the bat. But we generally honestly really like each other. And I think that was important. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very different. And like I'm sure there are things that are quirky about me that she says. And there are definitely things that are quirky about well, her. Of course, yeah. But um, I think we generally have like an affection for one another and we really get along so it was really surprising that I actually now look forward to the days that she's going to be working it just feels nice to have I think dentistry as a solo practitioner can become Mm -hmm. really lonely so it's nice to just have somebody who practices differently who's been practicing for a really long time kind of has seen everything 
and you can get different ideas on how to tackle things and even like finding different labs around the city just like the smallest things are really helpful right right um so uh one of one of my questions was like what what were some of the biggest challenges you feel in the process like i have some of things in my head but Mm -hmm. what, what were you thinking what were your things well, I was thinking um, just the nervousness of the transition. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing that like, I was sort of like in my task basket was um, the transition mm-hmm. and coming up with uh, the cards that go out and uh, figuring out how to get the addresses out of her system and into our system and what's the best way to mail them and all that stuff. And, the, and then also the messaging. What do you tell them? Because a lot of the patients in our particular case were not um, super happy about the transition and so we had to make sure that we you know comforted them and make sure that they felt good mm. um, and then keeping metrics making sure that we um, monitored the patients that came in are they rescheduling mm-hmm. because that's one of the hardest parts about buying a practice in general is how many patients stay when we bought the first practice we assumed oh yeah we retained everyone because no one complained but the thing is the people who aren't happy with you they don't like make a lot of noise when they go out the door they slip away silently mm-hmm. And when all of a sudden you look at your revenue numbers, you know pretty quickly. Uh, so I think this one, in this particular case, we've been actually tracking, um, are they rescheduling? Mm-hmm. And we ask them to rate from one to five and our front desk just before they check out, they have to give a number, which is great because now we have like an average and we have some like real numbers to like work with. Yeah, I think I was more concerned about how each set of patients was going to take things. Mm-hmm. So it was more... Breaking it to the staff, um, which was hard to mm-hmm. explain, um, and then because they know something's up, and they could they could clearly see it when we were like, you know, moving around a lot. Yeah, I think the other thing I didn't anticipate was that the staff doesn't know at all how it works to buy a practice. Mm-hmm. So they sort of had the feeling that over the last four years we've amassed all this. Like a pile money, of cash, like a like buckets of cash, and we had and we paid it for the practice. So we had a little bit of like a mutiny where people were all looking for raises, and yeah. and it didn't occur to me what was going on until somebody said, "Well, you bought the practice," and all of a sudden I was like, "They just think I like came in with buckets of cash and bought this practice." Yes. So we had to. So that was a learning lesson, explaining that to them and mm-hmm. saying, you know, no, we're in debt up to our ears, and it doesn't mean that. But it's good debt. It's That's good the debt. Key thing. It's good debt. <laughs> but um, it doesn't mean that you know we're profitable right away, or that we're seeing the changes right away, and we want the whole office to grow, and that's why we're doing these things so that everybody feels the effects of those that growth, and we can all make more and do better. But it was weird trying to explain to her patients what was going on, which in some ways was easier because it makes natural sense for her to retire and for a younger doctor to take over. But a lot of her patients um, were older, Mm -hmm. which I actually thought was going to be a problem. But what I found is that they're really established in New York, so they don't move. So we have a lot of patients that are, I would say, 25 to 35 who are very transitory. In our current, in our so, existing practice, yeah. So like every year, people are moving out out of New York City because their purpose of being here has become obsolete. So these patients that were 65 and over, I thought were going to be uh, a negative to her patient pool, they've actually become quite a positive yeah. because they don't have insurance, so they're self-pay. They um, they 
have money and they're settled and, in New York City. And they're City. settled and you know they're not, you can tell they're not going anywhere, you know. They're, they're not like looking for a new job or anything. So it actually provides a very stable base of patients, which is great. Which is great. Um, it's proven to be a very good investment. Yeah. So the second, and then, so I would say that like explaining it to them was a little bit more natural, but we just had to make sure that they were happy with the office and take, um, little pointers like people have said you have to put a bar in the bathroom which you know, oh, we didn't right. have to do right. um but then explaining it to our patients was weird because they saw the name on the door and they're like what is going on and that was something i didn't really anticipate having to do so it was surprising to me that um our patients were kind of i mean not that i didn't anticipate it i think we did but um People took it a lot of different ways. So most of them took it as you're expanding, that's great. Um, but it, I did have to explain what was going on. Mm -hmm. So it's funny because she'll very straightforwardly explain that I'm her associate. And I think that a lot of people would have problems with that. I actually, it doesn't bother me because, you know, I bought the practice and I don't need her to say that I did that. Um, I think that's a key point because um, especially if you're buying a practice from an older dentist, you know, they have a certain way of doing things and they also have their pride and their dignity. I think it's very important that you maintain that. So we kind of joke around, like we'll say, she'll say, oh, she's my associate. And so if you're here on a Monday or Tuesday, Dr. Singler will take care of you. Um, and that's worked really well for her patients. And again, like I think that it really helped that I didn't have an ego about it. I mean, definitely the first time she said it, I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, now it's like owner to associate in one day, so the opposite of our course. Yeah, yeah. But um, now I don't care, and I think it works really well for her, her patients. And then our patients, we say, you know, there was a doctor around the corner that we were friends with, and um, she was looking to retire and slow down, so she's come to join us, um, and it's been really great. So everybody's really happy. Yeah, I think it's been great. Uh, what were some things that we didn't really prepare for? I mean, I don't think you can pair, prepare. I mean, I think it was very different from the first, first yeah. time. I, I think the the process we were familiar with, I mean, we wrote a course on it, right? So I think the process of buying a practice was very familiar. Um, it was slightly different, obviously, because it was second practice and it was just a charts really only, and, they, and she was moving them all into our practice. But I think... That was like a nice to have in the fact we had one under our belt. So we kind yeah. of knew what we were getting into. The other nice thing that happened that I didn't realize that we were going to do initially was we were going to upgrade a lot of equipment, which was like a really nice plus. Was a, I mean, we didn't prepare for it, but it, like, it didn't hurt us in any way. It yeah. was like a really wonderful thing because we were able to upgrade to digital x-rays, which we hadn't had, and um, a couple other, like some of the Cavitrons yeah. and things like that. We were also able to refinance the entire loan. Which was a huge deal. Because we're actually paying less now than we were even paying for that just single one practice, that one practice. But one of the things that we did, and we highly recommend this if you're thinking about buying multiple practices or expanding in the future, is to pay down your debt as much as you can. If you can pay a little extra, even if it's only 500 bucks a month, do it. Because that actually provided a huge amount of equity for us to come in and then um, refinance the entire thing under great terms mm -hmm. and pay less than we are now than we did uh, for the first practice versus having two loans at different banks or right. things like that so it worked out really well yeah that was great so overall i think it was really worth it and i think we're really happy especially um she's she's a really wonderful woman you guys get along really well and you guys have like a great relationship so that works out really well yeah 
Is there anything you could say for people who maybe have like maybe not such a great relationship with their doctor and like what you might be able to do in terms of negotiating that transition? I think that you really have to read people and I just kept telling myself that this is temporary. So is it more important to me to win those little battles about personality mm. or temperament or persnicketiness or preferences or is it more important for me to like increase the revenue of our practice right. long term long term so every day that might be frustrating or I don't get the little win um, about doing things a certain way I think of whether it's worth it in the long run right I think that that it makes a lot of sense and just to give you an example um, can I give the example? Like, yeah. uh, so, like for instance, you know, she wanted know to have oh, like Purell containers, <laughs> uh, Purell uh, dispensers at, in every room, and you know, we didn't have those. We had lots of dis we had lots of pumps everywhere, and it just seemed like an unnecessary expense. It's a small expense. Well, it's just silly, right? So, I mean, in my mind, there's Purell in every room, and it's in a little bottle, but you want it like on the wall because you've been used to doing that for four years, and you push it, and you like get the Purell. Okay. So it's like $30 per dispenser, and then I have to find the refills. And I mean, it's really not like a big deal expense-wise, but it's like admin, right? And so it's not just something that you have to buy, refill, keep maintained, etc. But at the end of the day, it's a small price to keep her very happy. And, I, you know, it doesn't hurt. She loves the Purell. She loves the Purell, so that's great. Okay. But I think overall, <laughs> like, the takeaways are definitely pay down your debt. I mean, like, if we were to sum up, like, mm -hmm. some of the key things, I yeah. think it's take your time. Take your time, um, read the person, and think long-term, not short-term. So I think that I was incredibly patient. I don't, I don't think a lot of the other people I talk to, whether they're clients or colleagues, would have taken that long to vet, vet out a situation. Mm -hmm. It's like you, you read it, you want the docs, you want to get the NDA and get it signed and, and go on your merry way. But I... I felt, you know, meeting every month or every three, maybe every three months initially and then every month and every couple weeks was no skin off my back for something that could really increase our revenue dramatically. Right. And then maybe one thing I might add also is that um, if it's really important before you make a second purchase to get your processes down, mm -hmm. uh, especially in terms of like an operations manual. And we didn't have that. An operations manual, like job duties, descriptions, like having a very clear understanding of what each person does. Because when you bring in new people, um, that's the hardest thing is that, you know, they used to do X and now they're doing Y and now you have to kind of like blend them together and try to figure out, you know, how that's all going to work. I think that's really important. And also incorporating the new employees. So we chose to keep her hygienist, but we did not choose to keep her front desk. So her front desk was being paid, reception slash assistant was being paid a lot um, for what she was doing and she was older, so her salary is kind of established. Um, and we had too many people. Mm -hmm. So it would have been an overlap of roles, especially at a much higher price point. So I think that, you know, managing what everyone's going to do and changing like her her hygienist had to change the way she practices to fit into our practice. But again, I like I took it slow. So she was used to having maybe five people a day and you talk to everybody and it's really laid back and slow. But, you know, it's a it's not effective or efficient and B 
it's not fair to my current hygienist. So I can't have one hygienist operating right. on the schedule she's operating and then the other one, you know, having this lackadaisical schedule. So when she first came in, she wanted to keep that same schedule, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, you know. But a little urging can go a long way. So I didn't do it right away, but I helped her to keep on schedule by, you know, kind of taking on additional things like telling the staff slowly she's going to get there, but we have to help her with the computer first. Or, you know, maybe I template her notes for her initially and she can copy paste and change them as needed. So little workarounds mm-hmm. to make it easier on her, but then without without enabling that this is going to stay this way or you're not responsible for these duties. So giving yeah. her time. No, I agree. Um, so I think that's kind of it. Was there anything else that you wanted to add? Nope. It was a great idea. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's been really good. Uh, our numbers have gone up dramatically, and we're not busier. So that's one of the best parts about it is that, um, well, I mean, like the well, days busier. the days are busier. I was like, we are busier. No, 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 we are busier. <laughs> but the days are busier. They're like, you know, there's, they're more packed. There's less openings. But I think what's, what's great about it is that, like, you're not actually working more days or anything like yes, that. Yes, we anymore. haven't added hours. We've just made our current schedule more effective. So she's sque- she squeezed her schedule from three days to two. And I've really squeezed my four-day schedule into, um, like, two days. Um, so it's become back-to-back-to-back, which is great. So And it's really important for the staff for that, too. That's what we found, is that, yeah. like, in terms of managing the staff, the staff likes to be busy. You yeah. Know, if you're going to work, if you're going to be at work, you should be working. Yeah. So. so it's been great. Well, I hope this was helpful to you guys and um, we'll keep you updated on new developments because we have a lot of stuff coming. We want to do renovations. We're going to do, um, I think I said we were going to do more social media and we're also introducing a dental plan and we'll have a, a podcast on that as well because I think it's important to talk about some of those steps that we're going through. One more thing I wanted to share with you is that we are going to be creating some documents, um, the ones that we're using to kind of manage uh, our associate dentist that we have now, as well as some of the um, metrics that we're keeping track of, just to kind of share with you guys in case you want um, to see at least a template on how we do it, and it might be a great starting point for you guys. Good stuff. So thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you in the next episode.